welcome to Take 10, where we dive into all things economics, markets and topics of interest for institutional investors. I'm QIC's State Chief Investment Officer, Alison Hill, and Taking 10 with me today is QIC's Chief Economist, Dr Matthew Peter. Hello, Matthew, and welcome back for 2024. Yeah, thanks, Alison, and it's great to be back in sunny Queensland. I know that you actually haven't left Queensland, and the, the great thing about the place is that you really don't have to leave here to have a wonderful time, do you? Not at all. I had a fantastic break, but I'm pleased to be back, so it's nice to see you again and nice for all of our listeners to join us. Matt, it has been a busy few weeks in terms of markets, economic data and other releases, quite surprisingly so considering, well, I guess it's really just our, our hemisphere that takes a break around Christmas, around our summer, but they've certainly been keeping busy. And I wanted to talk about the US firstly, if we could, because I think there has been some pretty notable changes when you aggregate the fact that we haven't spoken for a few weeks. And in particular, what we're seeing in the States is this real sense of confidence that inflation's on its way back mm. down to the Fed's 2% mm. target. So I think that means we've pretty much firmly answered that question, which was still at least a question in my mind was, are we there yet with interest rates? I think the Fed is certainly done. And so mm. then the big question becomes, when are we going to cut? So increasingly impressively, this US exceptionalism is really abundant. You know, there's been some really great data releases, and it does appear that this mythical soft landing or even potentially the so-called no landing will actually occur with things like, you know, quite strong GDP results, very full employment. So happy days for the states. But despite all this good news, the markets are pretty anxious to see some interest rate cuts. And, and, and to a degree, that's fair enough. There is definitely an adjustment to real rates that needs to be made. But they seem to be going pretty hard, pretty fast in their expectations of what the Fed's going to do, looking at around about 120 basis points odd this year. Seems a bit excessive to me, but what's your view on where rates are headed? Well, down, that's where they're headed, Alison. But I think, you know, <laughs> point that you, yeah, the point that you're raising is a valid one. Is the economy now travelling at such a pace that that puts, um, you know, a a threat to the uh, downward trend that we're seeing in in inflation. And of course, you know, as you said, the market's fully pricing five 25 basis point Fed rate cuts this year, and that's followed by another three 25 basis point rate cuts next year. Question is, is that too much? Well, look, you know, we do see inflation coming down, but the inflation rate is still above the uh, Fed Fed's target rate as it currently stands. And that won't probably stabilise uh, at the Fed's target rate until sometime in 2025, uh, which is also our forecast. And the other thing to remember is that the interest rates in the US above 5% where they currently are is, is quite a long way above where the neutral rate is. Now, I'll, I'll mention something about that neutral rate in a sec, but if you compare to Australia where we've taken rates to just 4%, you know, whether it's only about maybe 50 basis points above where the, the neutral rate, 50 or 60, 70 basis points above the neutral rate. In the US, you know, you've got a much higher interest rate at, at above 5% and a, probably a lower neutral rate. So the monetary policy at the moment is quite tight for where, you know, where we're seeing inflation heading. So I think that that justifies um, the market's view of fairly uh, strong number of rate cuts over the remainder of this year. We, in fact, have got one less in 2024, uh, but we catch up with one extra in 2023, so, uh, 2025, I should say. I'm back <laughs> in last year, Alison. But, um, but, yeah, but basically, we get to somewhere at the end of next year, 
around about uh, you know 3.1, 3.2% for a Fed funds rate, which is very similar to where the market is. But no rate cut in March, you would expect? No, no, no. We, we're not got rate cuts until later in the year. I'd certainly agree with that. And do you think we're heading for this famed soft landing in the US? Yes, I mean, that's right. It's 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 been a surprise to many because of the difficulty central banks have had in the past with managing to, you know, be able to take heat out of economies without driving them to recession. However, as they say, past performance is not a good indicator of future performance. Uh, Alison, I know you heard that a lot when you're managing money and speaking to clients. Indeed. And in fact, the conditions that have underpinned the global economy, you know, over the last three or four years, you know, the COVID and post-COVID period, are certainly very different to the past slowdowns that we've we've experienced, such as the GFC, such as the dot-com bubble, and such as the early 90s recessions. This time round, central banks were able to raise rates to fight inflation, leaning into quite a strong recovery coming out of COVID, and hence strong underlying demand that was built up Uh, by cumulative savings of the household sectors. In contrast, if you go back in time, demand was faltering badly, say, leading to the GFC, Allison, but inflation's lagged the slowdown. You know, the the surge in oil prices that we saw just be, you know, leading into the GFC was driving inflation. I forced central banks to raise raise rates, but already, you know, damage was done in the underlying uh, outlook for the economy. But then again, talking about the GFC again, Alison, who knows what would have happened had Lehman's not have been allowed to go bust? Who knows whether the central banks may have been able to manipulate a, uh, a soft landing than the horrendous sort of crash and crisis that we saw then? So, you know, there's a bit of a luck of the draw. These slowdowns, these recessions are fairly rare occurrences. They're not happening all the time. You know, in the US, you've only had three episodes of that in the last uh, 20, 25 years. So we don't have a lot of observations either. But as you say, a bit of luck and a bit of skill maybe, but nonetheless, it does appear to be a good trajectory for the states. Yeah. Look, Alison, I've got a question for you. At the end of last year, just just going back to the strength of the US economy for a second, look, we were talking about you know, equity markets. We, th- we were saying how fully valued they were given everything that was going on. Uh, have you softened your view on that? now, given what's been happening in the economy more recently? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Look, I was certainly quite firm in my view in, in this podcast that I think equity markets were pretty fully valued. And, and in some senses, I'd keep that view. However, I would caveat that by saying, you know, I'm certainly more confident that we're heading towards a, a better landing, some sort of soft or no landing in the States, and inflation does seem to be heading down. And they are really positive things for the equity markets. And, you know, companies seem to be doing well. We're midway through, or about 60, 60% of the way through corporate earnings seniors in, in the States. And about 80% of the companies have surprised to the upside. So it's a pretty strong turnout. So you can see why equities are continuing to do well. But what we saw, Matt, in in December and and early this year is a tremendous run-up in equities, you know, a really strong level of run-up. And we're at all-time highs uh, for the S&P 500. Now, to me, that is seeming like we're starting to price at perfection. Now, it's really that all of that good news, I think, has very much been priced in. So notwithstanding the fact I am feeling more constructive, I think I'd sort of keep my former sentiment just because of the new levels of markets we're at. Um, so there's lots of good news, but 
there's always risks um, and there's certainly a lot of risks out there, perhaps a conversation for another day. But, you know, I'm a little bit um, nervous that perhaps there could be some downside vulnerability just given how, how price and perfection they are. Yeah. Well, I tend to agree. I mean, you know, the corporate earnings forecast is still double digit. And yeah. sure, you know, you, there, there's there's a soft landing is going to be what happens. But, you know, on the other hand, uh, Alison, it's hardly a buoyant outlook. Look, euro area barely scraped through Q4 with positive growth. China's economy is in the doldrums. The UK is in recession. And US growth is going to slow in the first half of this year. It's going to be a pretty, you know, crawling sub-trend economy in the US over the March and, and June quarters. So, as you said, that recent rally in equity markets has been pretty damn strong and it's really stretching valuations. Uh, the actual economic performance of the US, rather than analysts' earnings expectations, are going to have to deliver a hell of a lot to justify those uh, valuations. And don't forget, you know, the US market at the moment is only 4% percent higher than its peak two years ago in December 2021. And it's just reached back to that level a month ago. So what we were saying about US equities over that period, I think was pretty right. It's just that, you know, it was just getting stretched out. You know, that Uh return to fair value has been stretched. We said there'd be volatility and there has been. And and my guess is that that's going to be the same story going forward. So I'm not getting overly excited just yet about US equities. Look, I I agree. I agree. Matt, this Tuesday our own RBA met under its revised format of this new two-day meeting and the release of the Statement of Monetary Policy and an immediate press conference. So quite a bit of a, a difference in format and approach for the RBA. Anything notable for that for our listeners? Well, I'd just say at this stage, my overall view on it's a bit, there's more style and substance at this stage. But one thing that was interesting was the press conference. You know, that's a new innovation. Governor Lowe used to do press conferences sometimes, but it was sort of, you know, it was ad hoc, whereas now they're doing it after each meeting. And one thing that uh, in this press conference is after the, each meeting, immediately after the meeting, the governor releases a statement. And in that statement, the uh, RBA maintained actually a tightening bias. So when Governor Bullock, though, gave the press conference where she's able to elaborate on the views a bit more than what's in that statement, she gave a much more balanced view. So one would come away thinking really that the RBA's uh, outlook is is more balanced rather than being uh, biased towards tightening. And Matt, you're still thinking we'll see a cut towards the end of 2024? Yeah. So I, I suppose, too, the other thing on that point, she certainly scotched any likelihood of a rate cut in the first half of this year. So those commentators that were front running, you know, the uh, trying to get ahead of themselves and calling for early rate cuts, I think that's out. So we've got the first rate cut in, you know, we've kept to this view for some time and in December. That looks like it, it, it it's on track at the moment, um, given what we know about the RBA's views as as released at the last meeting and in, including the uh, statement of monetary policy or the SOMP that was also released, another new in, innovation. Matt, thank you very much for joining me today. We are poised, I think, for a very interesting year. We've got quite a number of major elections coming up across the globe and certainly the markets are, are never going to be dull. But in the meantime, wishing our listeners a happy 2024 and uh, thanks for joining us. 